providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Ken, thanks for joining us. And before we talk about the issues at hand here, I want you to share your backstory with our audience because uh, you grew up in this business and uh, you really know it better than a lot of people. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, no, I used to joke about this because when I first started about 15 years ago at the National Association of Realtors, people would look at my resume and they it says I worked for J.P. Morgan Chase. I worked for Financial Services Forum. I worked for a member of Congress. And they wondered, you know, why was I in this position at the realtors, especially coming from J.P. Morgan Chase at a time when banks were uh, not looked upon favorably by the real estate world. Well, turns out that um, my mother is a mortgage banker and my stepfather is a builder contractor. And both of them were realtors at points when I was young and I worked at the mortgage bank and I worked with my stepfather. So I kind of grew up in this in this business starting in the in the late 80s. Uh, so it's really kind of a natural thing. And my mother, who is 71 and a half years old, is still closing mortgage deals uh, from her family room these days, as opposed to from the office because of COVID. So we're, we're deep in this. And, and my sister actually just became a realtor about a year ago. It's having a banner year. So that's my background. I've been around a while doing this stuff. No, no kidding. Well, uh, your mom is a powerhouse. It's 71. Any inkling she might retire anytime soon? Now, now, I joke that um, I'm from originally from Long Island, New York, and I joke that my mom will retire when every Long Islander who needs a mortgage has a mortgage. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I know she's I'm sure they appreciate her on Long Island. Well, uh, lots to talk about in this podcast and uh, right off the top, the impact of the election, the outcome. Where do you see this going and what's the impact on housing regulation? So, you know, it looks like we're going to have a a closely divided government. It looks like Vice President Biden's been, looks like he will wind up being the president. I know I don't want to offend folks who, you know, want to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted and make it official. But the trajectory is that we will have a, a President Biden and a Vice President Harris. And for those on the other side, there's Right now, the Senate is 53-47. There's going to be a special election in January. Uh, Right now, it is 53-47. It is 50-50 after the election. But with this special election coming in January, there's a chance the Republicans could pick up uh, up to two seats. So we could see a 52-48 Senate or a 50-50 Senate. Um, So very close. Um, And then we will have in the House of Representatives, the Democrats still control the House, but the Republicans have picked up a number of seats and could uh, and basically it'll be the closest margin in the House in over 20 years. So it'll be divided. um, But the but the Democrats and and President like Biden will be controlling the administrative functions. And so there's a lot of potential uh, for activity there and for change in in that arena uh, above all else, I think. What concerns should we have as an industry, whether you're a realtor, mortgage professional like your mom, 
those of us uh, title and settlement services who follow that or are involved in that industry uh any concerns about a, a change in power in washington and what that could mean in terms of regulation or uh impacting business my biggest concern right now is that um we go back to with i mean covid still is is ruling our lives essentially and my biggest concern is that we see a regression into lockdowns that affect the housing market um you know we may see some lockdowns i think we've learned a lot of lessons though from the last lockdown about you know what really works what doesn't work and i think you know we have to be vigilant in our industry to make sure um, that we can convince those in power to keep to you know to keep us going and we know how to close deals without being in person we know how to use all the technology all the stuff we learned a lesson the housing market and mortgage markets have been booming they've been really helping sustain the economy and we don't want to take any steps backward uh there having said that just real quick i mean you know we're kind of everyone knows this is this business has seasonality to it. So, um, you know, fortunately, it's it, we're into November. Uh, you know, the quietest months tend to be January, February anyway. So if there's a need to kind of, you know, s- sit, sit down for a little bit, it won't be in the uh, in the in the, you know, the the you know, the strong housing season and stuff. I mean, I think the other things that a lot of it is a lot of the things that really are issues for us are going to be economy related i think yeah i guess the good news is too there's so many other things on their plate that they're dealing with that hopefully you know the housing and real estate world is kind of off the radar right it's a good thing going on right now so you know don't mess with success right absolutely and and you know this is different than you know 15 years ago uh, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 years ago. Uh, back then, the big problem wa- was, you know, the mortgage markets. And that was leading, you know, leading the economic disaster of 15 years ago. We are leading the recovery now. And we don't have we haven't gone back to that kind of a situation. You know, it, it's, we have a hot market because people are interest rates are low and people are are you know, motivated to buy homes, maybe they're looking to change location or they've, you know, changed their outlook on on where they want to live and it's created a hot market. It's not because of anything uh, you know, nefarious or bad. So we're 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 the I mean we were I always felt like we were the good guys, but we are really the good guys uh this time around. And I don't we're not a target. I think, you know, there are other things that are on uh, the radar screen of regulars. I mean, I, I, mean, I could give you some, I mean, there's some other things that continue to go on. Obviously, fair housing issues remain a concern and equality. And, and th- those issues uh, are going to be priorities. But I don't see this sort of uh, wholesale, uh, you, you know, attack on the real estate, mortgage, title, settlement services industry uh, like we saw, uh, you know, over a decade ago. 
Yeah, that's good to hear. You know, we got a bomb back. What was that late August with this adverse market fee implementation that was uh, at the time going to <laughs> take effect in, I think, less than 30 days? I mean, you talk about uh, panic mode for particularly the lenders out there, but also others in the business. Uh, that was pushed back, thankfully, to December 1st. And, you know, here we are uh, <laughs> a couple weeks away. How are we doing with that? Uh, what are you hearing? Is is everything set up for this to be a, a smooth transition there? So the, the GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, and their regulator, uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, sprung this, this adverse market fee on us really out of the blue back in the late summer. And you know, the argument was that they, they that this money was going to be needed to deal with the fallout related to COVID and so on and so forth. Um, it would add a lot of cost to, to, to mortgages. Uh, I think the average amount was estimated to be about $1,400. So as you, as you know, it was, it was beat back um, till December 1st. Uh, at this point though, my, I, my fear is, is that this is going to get implemented. I think it's a bit of a, uh, uh, it's not a huge, I mean, it's a fear. I suspect it will be implemented simply because there's no political reason for them not to do it. I think the election had a lot to do with the, with the change that they, you know, with the delay, I think they'll try to implement it and there might be uh, some kind of uh, lawsuits related to that. Perhaps somebody tries to get an injunction. I'm not sure. Um, But I think the good news is, is that in those preceding months, a lot of refis got done. And you know, we, we could be reaching, I haven't looked at the data just yet, but we could be reaching sort of the the top of that refi market. I mean, the interest rates are record lows, seemingly new record lows almost every week. Um, it, you know, there's just, I don't know how much refi business there is left. Sort of like, you know, if you've, you, you, if you, you might have missed this boat at this point. But I think for political reasons, they they extended uh, the deadline to December, but uh, but they have no political incentive to not implement that. You know, we'll see what happens. Ironically, uh, there was a, a case about uh, last year. It was decided actually actually it was this year. I'm already into 2021. Don't we all want to be into 2021 at yes. this point? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so actually, it was it was, it was June. Uh, the Supreme Court decided this case called Sala Law, which basically went after the CFPB structure. Well, the FHFA has the same structure, and so um, it, it seems to me that we may see a change in leadership at the C- at the FHFA at some point. Um, so, you know, this this adverse market fee, like I said, I think it'll it may get implemented December first, but it could be reversed at some point in the future, or maybe uh, the Biden folks negotiate and, and just get this thing, uh, you know, put on the back burner indefinitely. I don't know. But, you know, like I said, a lot of refi business has been done. It only applies to refis. And, uh, you know, per- perhaps uh, we won't have to deal with it. Yeah. And you called it the headlines. Actually, today, as we tape this on Veterans Day, uh, mortgage demand from home buyers dropping to the lowest level in six months. So, uh, definitely got a lot done 
uh, the last six months in the midst of this pandemic. And to your point, here we enter uh, the holidays in January, February, where things typically in a normal market are uh, are slow. Do you see any other concerns out there on the lending landscape in terms of regulation, uh, any issues that will be dealt with, or are we, dare I say, in the clear? You know, I don't think, at least at the federal level, I don't think mortgage lending is a huge regulatory priority in terms of clamping down or or reducing or trying to uh you know it's it it, this is a pretty plain vanilla market in terms of products i mean there's a couple of regulations that we're watching uh the qualified mortgage ability to repay qualified mortgage uh and, and the related gse patch that basically allowed for most Fannie and Freddie loans to be considered qualified mortgages, giving them a safe harbor, uh, making sure that, you know, thus giving consumers a broad access to affordable credit at at the best rates. We think that that's going to continue. It's just there's going to be some tweaks to that uh, regarding debt to income ratios and, and whether they should be used at all and so on and so forth going into the spring and, and summer, but I don't see any, you know, efforts to really clamp down on or, or reduce uh, access to credit uh, in the, in the near future. Um, I think the other thing out there is I think the fed is going to keep rates low for uh, the foreseeable future, at least until, you know, we're, we're out of, you know, where, where COVID isn't affecting our everyday lives the way it is right now, um, you know, barring inflation or something else. But I think that, so, you know, I think we're in a pretty stable environment unless some other shock happens to the system. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you, I can't predict what's unforeseeable, uh, but, but as far <laughs> as what is foreseeable, you know, it seems like we're in a pretty st- stable trend. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier, whether we wind up going back to a lockdown period um, and and it, where it's more difficult for people to, um, you know, engage in, in the home buying process like we had basically last spring. I, I had said back then I was very, uh, very lucky on my part, but I really felt, and I think a lot of folks felt like like Lawrence Yoon and and, and, and and other folks felt that chief economists for the realtors felt that people were, were going to shift their buying into the summer. And I think that that's basically what happened. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if there are lockdowns, we may see the same kind of activity. On the other hand, this is promise of the vaccine. We'll see how quickly, uh, how good it works, how quickly it, it is uh, adopted and, and gets out there. You know, you know, if we're, if we're fortunate, maybe we're not dealing with the same problems of COVID three or four months from now that we are dealing with today. Yeah, if we're going to do lockdowns, let's do it maybe during the holidays when we're all inside opening Christmas presents or January, February, right, when the market oftentimes is slow anyway. Hopefully it wouldn't have that much of an impact. And then, uh, as you said, get that vaccine out there and hopefully get back to at least a new normal, if nothing else, maybe by springtime. So, um as you know, you've been around this business your whole life. I can't think of a profession that is more 
creative, entrepreneurial, and flexible than the real estate profession. We saw COVID hit in March, I think, after about two weeks of absolute panic, fear, and the end of the world is coming. Uh, Realtors, mortgage lenders, title professionals, they figured it out like they always do, right? Well, we're going to wear a mask and we're going to we're going to wear gloves and we're going to do what we're going to do. And I mean, to see the year that we've had, I mean, nobody would have guessed that back in early March when this was first happening. So kudos to the entire profession out there. At the same time, we're all very insecure. <laughs> right? Yeah. And we worry about interest rates going up. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but are there any concerns? for real estate professionals in the year ahead. Anything in the, you know, blind spot that you can see that we maybe should be watching out for? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I routinely give kudos to my members and to the to everyone I run into. It is truly amazing. I mean, and you reminded me uh, you know, the the doing the, the virtual tours and and like I told you before, my mother's been doing mortgages from her. You know, New York was the hardest hit area of the country last spring, and yet my sister was selling houses and my mother was doing mortgages. You know, so two members of the industry found found a way to get it done, and really countless people. It's amazing how quickly I got stories of how people were adapting and adapting successfully and really kind of leading the economy back. It's, it's amazing. And everyone deserves a pat on the back, uh, you know, for their ingenuity, innovation and drive. Uh, truly fantastic trouble ahead or things to look out for. I think, you know, I mentioned the lockdowns. I think another thing is this lack of inventory. It's been a problem for, a long, long time. And we had, you know, unfortunately, we really were seeing some good data in the in new construction at the beginning of the year and really awesome data, data we hadn't seen in a decade. And it got kind of clamped back a little bit by COVID. And we need to see that resumption in, in new in, uh, new production of, of homes and stuff because that is that kind of drives the, the ability for people to you know upgrade or uh, you know it just is an important component of the market that has been lagging and leads to a lack of inventory so i think new construction we need to keep an eye on that do what we can i don't know policy wise how much can be done but the, the, Really, to keep to keep the 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 flow of new construction, so that we have new existing inventory, and to keep the you know the business kind of rolling, so people can can make these moves and get these homes that they want. That's that's the perennial concern. That's kind of you know the the governor, so to speak, on the housing market, and so we need to to see that. But fortunately, as as we've been saying, like I said, we got a slow season coming up i mean there's time to uh to kind of ramp that stuff up and to, to deal with these types of things uh and, and kind of get ready for the spring i mean my advice to, to to people is they know their own business they know how it works you know this time of year you know finish closing all the deals you can especially if you got refis out there for for the mortgage folks but uh you know and, and try to enjoy the holiday season don't overdo it because you know, it's always we got a lot of uncertainty out there, but enjoy yourselves and and look towards 2021 and and keep, you know, you know, keep a positive outlook. But, uh, you know, be, be vigilant. Yeah, good advice. And uh, 
While I have you, I want to talk about the California Consumer Financial Protection Law. Here's another acronym for us, CCFPL, (laughs) and the impact specifically on title insurance and settlement services. Very interesting. Um, This has been included as a financial service, correct? And uh, what's the impact here? Right. So they're they're trying to build upon what the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is at the federal level, um, you know, at, at the state level. It's it's and it's a very powerful organization um, that has a very uh, you know, broad agenda. In the short run, I think their agenda will focus more on things like payday lending and, uh, you know, other high interest credit situations that folks view as unfair. But they have a tremendous power. And in many ways they have. I used to say this about the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. I think it's probably true of the California Bureau as well that they have all the power to do what they want to do and none of the power to do what they don't want to do. And so they may find themselves uh, at a point in time where they're looking at various things in this industry. I don't think it's going to be their initial priority, but they certainly have broad power. And I would not uh, you know, bank on any thoughts that 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 someone might be exempt from their reach. I mean, there's a couple of elements of the industry that have exemptions, but um, because the escrow agents have an exemption, but the, the, I think, uh, you know, they have broad power and, and they also have an incentive to use it because uh, the CFPB, when they get a recovery, it, it goes into a fund that's basically, largely for consumers, whereas essentially the California organization, if they get recoveries from businesses, they can use it to, you know, reinvest in their regulatory efforts. And so there's an incentive to prosecute and get settlements and so on. Um, and, And they might find themselves, you know, looking for uh for the areas of concern and and or you know and maybe pushing the envelope which was the big concern with the cfpb i mean the cfpb you know really pushed the definitions of existing laws and and was uh, entrepreneurial in a bad way in my opinion in terms of you know going after uh particular companies and and doing things uh in a certain very heavy-handed way and so we have to keep an eye out uh that that doesn't happen in california because that would be a concern great insight as always ken thanks for joining us thank you brian if you have questions comments or would like us to feature a specific topic email fnfeducation at fnf.com Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. 
The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.